This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 8.37. It's Tuesday, the 30th of January, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Ki Kam, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now, in about 30 minutes, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. We'll also see how... HE Group, a company that provides electrical engineering services, does on its first trading day as a listed stock on the ACE market. But before that, let's talk about the economic outlook for Singapore and APEC. Because yesterday, the Monetary Authority of Singapore maintained its stance on its policy, leaving the slope with and centre of the currency ban unchanged. This marks the third consecutive meeting without alterations, following five rounds of tightening since October 2021. This means it's retained its 2024 core inflation projection of 2.5% to 3.5%. Although the city-state has seen an, and has seen a 1% increase in its GST rate this January to 9%. And looking at the broader region, neighbouring countries like us and Indonesia also stood pat at their respective January policy meetings. So when will central banks in the region commence easing monetary policy and has the economic outlook for the year of the dragon taken on a brighter hue? For some insights, we speak to Kungo, Head of Asia Research at ANZ Bank. Good morning, Kungo. Thanks for joining us. Now, the MAS left its monetary policy setting unchanged for the third straight, straight time. Excuse me. Why was there no urgency for easing? And then what does this then mean for the next three meetings of the year? Yeah, good morning to you. Yeah, the MAS left policy unchanged. This was widely expected. Uh, and really, there's no cause for them to pivot on policy because inflation is still somewhat elevated uh, and will stay quite high in the near term because of not only a GSE increase, but also we still have robust wage growth here in Singapore, which is uh, putting cost pressures, uh, forcing businesses to still pass on some cost increases. Uh, and the um, outlook for the major trading partners have actually turned uh, brighter. The MES noted that they're expecting major trading partner growth to pick up uh, on the back of lower inflation and uh, easier monetary policy later in the year. So overall, the outlook actually looks uh, slightly more positive than last year, hence uh, no urgency for them to alter policy at this stage. So, Kun, core inflation in December came in at 3.3%. Um, how, how much of this GSD increase will be transitory and what are your expectations on price trends for Singapore this year? Well, the GSD increase is transitory in a sense that uh, once it falls out from the calculation, we'll see a decline in, in the core headline numbers. Unfortunately, we had a second year in a row where GSD has increased, so therefore that's going to keep uh, overall inflation elevated uh, until uh, 2025. Uh, in the interim, it's not just the GST increase. We've also had quite a large increase in the carbon tax in Singapore as well, which has resulted in a rise in electricity and gas tariffs. Uh, water tariffs are set to go up as well, uh, quite substantially in April. So all these factors are what is going to keep core inflation elevated in the first half of the year. Kun, uh, what's your ANZ's view on the city-state's GDP growth for 2024? I mean, after all, we are seeing global growth slow down, China economy puttering around, not really growing robustly. What does this mean for an open economy like Singapore? 
Yeah, ordinarily, uh, given the sluggishness of uh, the Chinese economy and expectations of U.S. slowdown, you would expect this to be negative on uh, Singapore's growth prospects. Uh, however, um, Singapore did have a challenging 2023, but growth started to accelerate towards the end of last year, and I'm expecting that growth momentum to carry over into 2024. So my forecast is actually towards the upper end of the MES's range. Uh, they're forecasting growth of between 1% to 3%. I think it's possible to have growth closer to 3% this year because uh, we're going to get a boost from the upturn in the global semiconductor cycle, which will benefit electronic exports in Singapore. And for the first quarter of this year, Singapore is going to host uh, quite a few major uh, events and concerts, including you know, Taylor Swift, uh, Coldplay. Uh, that's going to provide a huge boost uh, to the tourism and hospitality sector. I think that's uh, quite underestimated by a lot of analysts. I think it's going to give a huge kick to Q1 GDP. Hopefully you got the tickets, Kungo. Unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> that, that's also a lesson that uh, our, our authorities here should, should, should take. Uh, meanwhile, the Singapore dollar did outperform all its Asian counterparts in the last two years. Uh, can this sustain throughout this year? And what will a less restrictive Fed policy stance mean for the currency? And do you think this might also offset all the high um, increases in terms of, you know, you were talking about the increase in taxes and as well as water tariffs as well? Yeah, so that's a key reason why the MES has to keep policy uh, tighter for longer. So the slope at the moment is 1.5% per annum. That means uh, the Sing near exchange rate will continue to appreciate by that pace. Uh, hence, it will you know, continue to outperform uh, regional peers. And if the Fed were to cut rates as expected, uh, that is going to lead to a weaker US dollar. And you know, in contrast, a weaker dollar just means a stronger Sing, um, Sing dollar. So overall, I'm still positive on uh, the Sing currency. I believe there's still scope for further appreciation of uh, the Sing dollar. Uh, but the pace of appreciation will not be as fast as what we've seen the last couple of years, simply because we are at the upper bound of the MES policy band. So that naturally will limit uh, how fast uh, the Sing dollar can appreciate from here. Okay, and if we take a, a broader look at the region, do you think other central banks will continue to stand pat when it comes to the monetary policy like we saw with Malaysia and Indonesia? Or who will be the first to actually cut rates? Yeah, so I believe that the monetary policy tightening cycle in this region is over. And the next move by central banks is definitely towards an easing. Uh, however, I don't think any of them would want to move before the Fed um, for the simple reason they don't necessarily want to cause unnecessarily volatility in the currencies because there is a concern if they were to ease earlier, mm. uh, then that might uh, bring pressure on their uh, local currency. So at this stage, uh, we're looking for uh, central banks in India, Indonesia and Korea, for example, to start cutting rates only in the third quarter. Uh, that's around the time when we expect the Fed to start uh, easing policy. Okay, so can we get your house view then? How many rate cuts are you expecting from the Federal Reserve for 2024? The street is expecting up to 150 basis points. Yeah, so our uh, house view is for uh, a more modest 100 basis point uh, decline in the Fed funds rate starting from uh, July. Um, yeah, I recognize the market is uh, pricing in a more aggressive and earlier easing, but that's the market. The market will always price in uh, earlier and more aggressive, uh, given that historically, if you look, look at the last two uh, easing cycles, the Fed has tended to cut 
uh, quite a lot more than uh, what was previously expected. So that's, you know, in, in fact, what the market is uh, factoring in at this point in time. And Kun, what is the outlook for the Asia-Pacific region um, with the Year of the Dragon coming into view? And um, bearing in mind that a, a, lot of, a lot of economies are depending on uh, what China has to offer. So everyone is looking at whether or not the recent uh, measures introduced by the Chinese authorities last week to prop up their stock market will be fruitful. Uh, and in case of China, there's definitely a distinct lack of confidence amongst Chinese households. That's a key part of the reason why the Chinese economy has been pretty sluggish. Uh, so hopefully uh, the combination of the various policy stimulus, plus, you know, it's a year of the dragon after all, uh, <laughs> might help to stir animal spirits or revive dragon spirits. Uh, I do know historically, and as we all know, amongst the majority Chinese population, there tends to be a big bump up in birth rates during the Year of the Dragon. Uh, we see that very clearly in Singapore and um, in China and Taiwan. So hopefully, uh, this will spur a bit of a, a revival. Animal spirits start to stir. Chinese consumers start to spend up their accumulated savings, mm. uh, and they will get the economy going. That's my hope anyway for but this year. Kungo, what will keep you up at night? Because this year is also a year of multiple risks. We have geopolitical tensions. We have many countries heading to the polls, Indonesia. Uh, we have, of course, United States, maybe even UK. Are those things that, are those headwinds that we should be concerned about? Oh, there's no doubt the US election in November is shaping up to be the major risk event factor for the global economy. Uh, but it's, too soon right here, right now in late January to worry too much about it because no one can really predict the outcome. And, you know, while we can, you know, make the assumption that Trump will be the presumptive nominee on the Republican side, you know, we're still unsure whether or not uh, it will be a Trump versus Biden part two. So markets are certainly not pricing anything at this point in time. I think as we get closer and typically two months out from the election, that's when markets will start to, you know, sort of price and factor things in. Uh, and then we'll deal with it. Uh, in the interim, I think the outlook, at least for the Asia-Pacific region, uh, looks actually quite promising, at least for the first half of uh, this year. All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Kungo, Head of Asia Research at ANZ Bank, telling us to enjoy the Year of the Dragon. So far, the outlook is a pretty good one. He's, he's actually looking for more babies for the Year of the Dragon. I don't know if he, he meant enjoy it in that way, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we'll discuss the heated debate over pensions or EPF for civil servants. Stay tuned for that BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.